0: Check this out, y'all. Audio level, full volume. It's go time. This is Border to Border with Matt Josephs.
1: He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt,
0: your manliness is overwhelming. Sports. 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 Audio level, full volume.
1: It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs
0: on Richmond's 1061 ESPN.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. To border 1061 ESPM Matt Joseph's here on a Thursday. Getting the date right, as we thought yesterday felt like a Monday, we actually got today right. It is a Thursday, and uh, very excited for the show today. Uh, there is some news involving the JMU Dukes, we'll get to that in just a moment. They have selected their new head coach, we will tell you who it is, uh, in just a moment. Um, spoiler alert, it's the guy that I think a lot of people were hoping was going to be the choice, so we'll tell you about that in just a second. We have a couple of guests today. Uh, coming up at 3.15, as I said yesterday, we had a chance to catch up earlier in the day with Ricky Ronnie, the head coach of Old Dominion, as they get set for the famous toastery bowl, which is... I, I still, to this day, have no idea what the famous toastery is, What? Uh, but apparently it is a... Come, according to Google, it is a comfortable setting for classic and creative takes on American breakfast, brunch, and lunch dishes. So, they're the sponsor of uh, the bowl game that J, uh, that ODU is playing in. So, um, we will talk to Ricky Ronnie. I'll ask Ricky Ronnie, has he heard of Famous Toastery? Apparently, there is one in Roanoke. It looks like that's the only one in Virginia. So, um, he's going to join the show. We'll talk to him about the season. We talked to him about getting ready for the bowl game. We talked to him about how is he balancing getting his guys ready for this game with also, um, you know, letting them relax a little bit and enjoy the other bowl festivities. I have no idea yet what the the swag bags are for these things. And for those who are not familiar, everybody uh, in all these bowl games gets free stuff from the bowl games. And... It is usually one of the highlights of the bowls. And um they haven't put out yet what they are for the 2023 bowls. But um the ODU players will be getting some stuff. Uh, apparently, for the Oscars, it's $126,000 worth of stuff. And it's 60 gifts. Food, travels, vouchers, beauty products, whatever. So for the bowl games, it's obviously a lot less. Um, But we'll have Ricky Ronnie on in Vol Dominion at 3.15. 3.30, as I said yesterday, we sent up the bat signal for our legal expert uh, to talk about the Charlie Baker story and what he's hoping to do with the NCAA. Um, There were a lot of words involved, a lot of angles to this story that I could certainly spend the time getting to know. But it also gives us a chance to catch up with our legal expert, Alicia Jessup of uh, rulingsport.com. So she's going to join the show and tell us a little bit about what this story is, what the realistic expectations are, will it get done, all that good stuff. So um, she's going to join us at 3.30. And i um, always excited to have her on because she provides an interesting perspective to all this stuff because this is this is her job. And so you can follow her on Twitter at Ruling Sports. She'll join us at 3.30. And then uh, we hope to hear from you. 327 0888. That is the phone number. Uh, 804 is the area code. That is the text line as well. You could text me. You could tweet me at MidMajorMatt. Twitter is at ESPN Richmond. Uh, all right. So James Madison has selected their new head coach. And I'm very excited by the hire. It is Bob Chesney, the head coach of Holy Cross. And here's one of the reasons why I love this hire he's 46 years old. Now, look. I don't think if he comes to this press conference and says, I'm going to be a lifelong head coach at James Madison. By the way, the press conference is next Tuesday. Hopefully that will be when we have him on, whether it's me or Bob or whoever. We'll hopefully have uh, Bob Chesney on the show to talk about taking the job. He'll do the whole thing where he comes on and he says, Yeah, this is a great job, and I hope to be here forever and ever and ever. I think we all kind of figured out, and I... Certainly figured this out because I did not think Kurt Zignetti was going to go anywhere. That this is a stepping stone program. As VCU fans know, as a lot of the mid majors know, there are certain programs for certain stretches that get really good head coaches. They do really well. And then the other, the, the power five, steals them right from under them. Um, Bob Chesney, as we said, 46 years old. He was born in Pennsylvania, Culpmont, Pennsylvania. Not quite sure where that is. Uh, He played for uh, defensive back at Dickinson when he was in school. So he's a 2000 grad of Dickinson. And he's been all over the place when it comes to head coaching. He's been a defensive assistant at Johns Hopkins. He started his head coaching gig at Salve Regina, where he was 23-9 and in three years and won the ECAC Northwest Bowl in 2011. They finished 24th in the AFCA poll, whatever the heck that is. So, in 2013, he went to Assumption. While at Assumption, over five years, he went 44-16. and He did lose a couple of games in the playoffs. He lost in the second round, the first round, the quarterfinal, but at least he made it. Um, his last three years at Assumption were tremendous. Then he went to Holy Cross, where he's been for six years. Started out five and six the first year, went seven and six the next year, lost in the first round of the playoffs, went three and one in the weird twenty twenty year, lost in the first round. Then in twenty twenty one he went ten and three, lost in the second round. Twenty twenty two he went twelve and one, lost in the quarters, and then twenty twenty three, this past season he went seven and four, did not make the playoffs. And now he's the head coach at JMU. He's 111 and 46 overall, 3 and 3 in the Division 2 playoffs, 2 and 3 in the FCS playoffs. He's won two Northeast 10 championships and five Patriot League championships, which we know, you know, Patriot League's not the best football, but it's also pretty good. Um, you know, you have to think that because of all his success there, he's had a lot of success recruiting. Um, the general reaction from a lot of people that you see on Twitter is This is a slam dunk hire for James Madison. You know, there's a bunch of guys that I kind of listed that I was very interested in. He was certainly one of them. Um, I just think this is a guy that you're going to enjoy. And we will certainly get to know him And who knows, depending upon what time the press conference is on Tuesday. Maybe we'll even play the press conference for you. Um, But I think it's a very good hire. I think he's a guy that, listen, the very first thing he's going to do is he's going to have to try and bring back the players who left or are leaving. Nobody has officially transferred anywhere else. A bunch of names are in the transfer portal and it looks like from somebody I spoke to every one of the names of the JMU players that are in the portal, they're all going to play in the bowl game, which I think is good. You know, obviously it's it's disappointing that they're leaving in general, but they are leaving and they're going to play for James Madison in this game, which I think is tremendous because as I talked about with Kurt Zignetti, they worked so hard to get here that all of a sudden, you know, the coach leaves and now they leave. But it seems like all of them are going to stay. And the latest to get in there was Zach Horton, the tight end. Uh, Aiden Fisher's in there. Jordan McLeod, Mikhail Kamara. There's a bunch of guys who are in the transfer portal. But as of now, it seems like they're going to finish things out. Um, obviously, as we know, Bob Chesney is not going to be the head coach for the bowl game. He's going to silently watch and see what they're going to do. And from what I could tell, JMU's practices have been fantastic. They're going to show up for this game. Despite all the things that have gone on around the program, they're going to show up for this game against Air Force. Now, showing up against Air Force and playing with a motivated side, that's one thing. Being able to handle the triple option, that's another thing. You know, this is not one of those games where you could kind of just roll out the football, uh, watch some film, and be like, all right, we're ready. Pro style offense. That's great. No, you're playing against the triple option and against the team that runs the triple option really well. So you hope that they're either, you know, somebody on the roster knows how to run it or they're bringing people in who don't, who know how to run it. But from what I've heard, everything's going well at James Madison with regards to getting ready for this game. But. It's kind of good. They figured out who they're going to have as their new head coach. Uh, I Obviously, Jeff Bourne said his goal was to, A, get a head coach, and, B, get a guy who's going to be able to watch the game. And certainly, he's going to be able to watch this game. Pete Thamel's uh, headline here is, Our ESPN story on JMU hiring Holy Cross. Bob Chesney as the head coach, his run of FCS success at Holy Cross fits the archetype of other successful JMU hires. It also seems like... Duke has found their head coach, or at least they're focusing on one guy. It's Manny Diaz, who I don't have a lot of nice things to say because he was Temple's head coach for like 10 minutes, and then he decided to run away and go back to Miami. But it seems like Duke is going to hire Manny Diaz, which we'll see what happens. A decision is expected in the next 24 hours. So that's kind of the the head coaching news that's out there right now. But you got their guy, Bob Chesney. I think it's a really good hire and I think they're going to, um, I think they're going to succeed. Now, obviously, his first goal is to get some of these guys to come back, and hopefully he does. But even if he doesn't. He's still going to be able to bring a background of success. We obviously want to see how many of his uh, assistants he's bringing, what's his staff going to look like, but I'm really happy with what JMU did in terms of hiring Bob Chesney. Uh, 3270888, that is the phone number. That is the text line, 3270888. 804 is the area code. Let's take a timeout. One school that's very happy with their head coach right now because he got them to a bowl game, Old Dominion. Ricky Ronnie will join the show next. We'll get his thoughts on the famous Toastery Bowl, his season, and all the good stuff surrounding the ODU program. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN.
0: Let's get social. Follow us on X and Instagram at ESPN Richmond. And find us on Facebook by searching ESPN Richmond. Don't miss a thing from your home for sports in Richmond. 1061 ESPN.
1: to have a lot of teams playing bowl games uh, coming up during bowl season. And uh, joining us now, the head coach of one of those teams taking part in the famous Toastery Bowl down in Charlotte on the 18th. A 2.30 kickoff. Joining us now, the head coach of Old Dominion, Ricky Ronnie. Coach, how's it going?
2: That's going well. Going well. Thanks for having me on.
1: No problem, Coach. Uh, what's this mean to you? Obviously, their preseason expectations were this team might struggle a little bit. But to pay off this season to get to a bowl game, what does it mean to you to have one more game with this bunch?
2: I mean, it means a lot. It, it means a lot from development in terms of getting our young guys reps, which we've been doing a lot with. Um, right now, um, we've got some other guys that maybe were are uh, dinged up throughout the year who need more reps, and uh, maybe we're changing positions on a couple of guys, and, and and this gives them an opportunity to kind of springboard into spring ball. Uh, but then, just as important, you know, having the guys who are seniors and you know getting 20 more days with them and getting 20 more days to hang out with some of those guys who mean so much to me and mean so much to other guys on this team is just, you know, it's really important, and it's one of those things that you know we're going to remember for a long time, so obviously there's a lot of benefits to going to a bowl game.
1: What does it say about your bunch that they played in so many one-score games and managed to win a whole lot of them? Obviously it's tough on you because every play matters and everything, but what does it say about your team with all the one-score victories that you had this season?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, we played in ten one-score games, um, and like you said, we were able to win our fair share, but you know, I think it just showed how resilient our team is because you know you got to be able to come back the next week. You know, you got to be able to bounce back. You can't either revel in a win that's a close game or or sit there and, and you know get down on yourself and, and wallow in it. So it's one of those situations where I just thought our guys bounced back really well. They were very resilient, very tough, bought into our 1-0 mindset. and mindset. And I think long-term in their lives, it's going to help them overcome some adversity and um, those sort of things. But, you know, this year I just I was just so proud of how tough they were.
1: What was the message you had to your team? Obviously after the Liberty game it was a disappointment. You had two games left. You needed two victories to get to bowl season. What was the message you gave to your team uh, after that game?
2: Well, I just told him, you know, that uh, it's about that twenty days. You know, if you, you know, we all say that, you know, we care about each other like a family, and and those sort of things. And if you really cared about people like a family, you're going to try to give them those twenty more days of football. Listen, some of our guys may never play football again, so you're giving them an opportunity to play the greatest game on earth for an extra 20 days you know and and so that's something that i think we all looked at each other and and we wanted to give that gift to those guys and and give that opportunity to them but also give that gift to us and um these are some these are some great men and to be able to be around them and and uh hang out and have some fun with them for a little bit longer was was something that we all wanted to do so we kind of looked at each other made that promise to each other and and we're able to get it done well
1: how do you balance these next couple? Of, obviously, the, the game is on the 18th, so you still have about 11 days. How do you balance the practice schedule, giving them some rest time, and, and you know, letting them enjoy the fact that they have one more game?
2: Well, yeah, I think the other thing is you've got to put in there is finals. Right, I mean, so finals are coming up next week, so we got to we got to make sure that we uh, get that in there too because we've we've done a nice job and we've had over a three GPA and, and four out of the last seven semesters two, over a two point nine and six out of the last seven semesters. So we're doing a nice job academically, but we've got to give them time to get that stuff done too. So we were able to get some, uh, um, you know, kind of some young guy focused practices early, but while keeping the older guys sharp. Um, we'll start getting into uh, Western Kentucky really tomorrow. Um, and then, uh, you know, we'll we'll get about three or four practices based on them before we travel on the bowl game next Thursday. And then we'll go down there and kind of go through a normal week. So, um, you know, I've been, been able to be in a bunch of bowl games before, and this is probably the best way to get it done. And, and there's a lot of different ways to, uh, to get the thing done. But I think this is the way that, that I prefer to get it done.
1: Let's touch on some of the individual performances this season. Obviously, we'll start with Jason. Uh, Touchdown club of Richmond's linebacker of the year. He just got a whole bunch of honors. Um, what makes him so special when it comes to you know, making all these tackles and just being a difference maker on defense?
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, he was, he was named a, a, you know, an All-American in a, a number of different publications, which makes him now a two-time All-American, which is pretty special. Um, And, you know, if you just look at the way he plays the game of football, he plays it the right way. He plays it with great effort. He plays it with great passion. Um, He's very physical, and he's just a tremendous tackler. I mean, he he has great instincts, um, obviously, and and great talent, but his tackling and his effort are so great that he's able to, you know, do some things that other people aren't. You know, he's going to lead the country in tackles two years in a row, um, which is, you know, pretty darn amazing. So, you know, he's a special player, and, and we're blessed to have him.
1: He's the quarterback on the defense. The quarterback on the offense, Grant Wilson. Um, just you know, talk about his maturation and how much he's improved as this season's gone along.
2: Yeah, you know, a Virginia kid uh, who came back here, um, transferred in, and and uh, he's done a nice job. You know, he was able to have some success early, and then um, there are a couple struggles and adversities, but he was able to uh, bounce back and 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 really has led our team through. Um, to get our team bowl eligible. And and I think that he's done a nice job of running the offense, not trying to do too much, um, but just running the offense when we need a play. And and at the end of the game, he's made them um, with both his arm and his legs. And in fact, he even caught a touchdown. So he's, he's been very versatile and, and he's just made plays when we need him to. He's been very tough all year long. Um, And I just, you know, I'm, I'm excited for this bowl game, but also about his future.
1: The fact that this bowl game is taking place in Charlotte, how excited to see are you to see how many of your fans will make it down and how much of an atmosphere they can make this game?
2: Yeah, I thought we had a great atmosphere our last bowl game when we played in Myrtle Beach. Uh, we had a lot of fans down there and those sort of things. Uh, so I, I want the same thing. Obviously, it's a little bit tougher because it's on a Monday. Um, but, you know, I think our fans are, are going to find a way to get down there. You know, it's right in that week where you might have some time off for the holidays and that sort of thing. So love for our fans to be able to get down there. You, I mean, technically, shoot, you wouldn't even have to get a hotel room if you don't want to. Um, you know, I'd love for them to be able to experience more of the Bull week and, and, and be down there with our guys a little bit more. But, you know, if they can just get down there, support our team, um, and show everybody what Old Dominion's all about, I think long-term it's really going to help, you know, our athletic program and, and, and our football program in general.
1: And you're going to write permission slips, right? If if people need to get out of work, you're going to write permission slips.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't I don't know if they'll be accepted. You know what I mean? But I I'm 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 more than willing to write permission slips. I I will I will do that. Um, you know whether whether a uh, employer takes that on good faith. I'm not sure, but I'm I'm more than willing to get that done.
1: Um, what did you know about famous Toastery, uh, You know. Now you look over the bowl lists and you see a lot of different sponsors. Have you ever even heard of Famous Toastery before joining this bowl?
2: So I have heard of it. Uh, I have not been there yet, and, and so I'm going to make it a point to figure out, you know, what is uh, what is my favorite deal there, and, and and get something done because obviously these bowls and these experiences they don't happen without um, without these sponsors. And so the fact that you know this bowl. Um, was kind of put together to, to to compensate for the Bahamas Bowl having some some issues and, and and those sort of things. So you know, I just am very thankful that somebody stepped up and and, and Charlotte stepped up as a city to put this thing on, and, and Famous Toastery stepped up as a sponsor to get this thing going. Because this is a great experience for our for our young men, and, and without them, it doesn't happen.
1: How much do you allow your kids to enjoy the off the field stuff? Because as part of the bowl experience, you know, they get the swag and they get the free stuff and then they also get the, the various events that the bowls prepare before the actual game. How much do you allow them to enjoy and, and encourage them to enjoy that stuff?
2: Yeah, we're gonna get it uh, have go to a couple things down there. I mean obviously uh uh the Charlotte Hornets are down there, so we're going to uh, go to one of those games. Excited about that. There's some. There's an event at at, um, at NASCAR and, and that sort of thing. So we're going to we're going to take in these bull sites and these things, and because these are the sort of things that kind of make it make it special. But ultimately, what really makes it special is winning the game and getting a bull ring, right? And having one of those sort of things and being able to say you ended the season as a champion. I think that's the thing that really makes the thing special. So that's what we're really focused on. Ultimately, all these other things are are fun, and we're very grateful and thankful for them. But we're going down there to win a game, and and that's what's important for us.
1: Obviously, a couple of years ago, you guys played Western Kentucky when you were both um, part of that conference. Um, How much do you look at the film from a couple of years ago, and what do you see briefly early on when you look at the Hilltoppers?
2: You know, it's a, it's, it's a different team. So I I don't think you can really look at, uh, you know, they have a different offensive coordinator, different, you know, different coordinators all around. So I'm not sure you can really look at it and say, okay, this is, uh, this is what we're, you know, it's going to be the same thing or anything like that. Um, You know, but, you know, obviously I have a lot of respect for coach Helton. Uh, He's a tremendous coach. Um, He's won different ways there. They've, they've had dominant defenses. They've had dominant offenses. You know, this year, um they're really doing a nice job in the turnover margin. They're they're ranked top twenty in turnover margin. They're actually third in the country in generating turnovers. So they're doing a tremendous job there. They've led their conference in passing. Um so they're they're doing some good things there. And then in general they're just very disciplined, not only from the turnover margin, but they're top fifteen in the country in penalties. So um, you know, they're well coached football team and, and, and this is gonna be a huge challenge for us, but I know we're looking forward to it.
1: Last question, and normally I would ask you about what the exposure on ESPN will do for your program. But with the Sun Belt, you guys were on TV plenty with the NFL Network, ESPN, ESPNU, ESPN2. What does it mean for this final game that you will be on ESPN and, and more eyeballs could check out your program?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. Anytime you can get um, our university and, and the young men on our team, um, national exposure, I think that that's great. You know, it just gives them a, a, another chance to go show – you know, all their hard work, um, and then show, you know, really what Old Dominion's all about. You know, there's a few more commercials. Maybe somebody hasn't heard about Old Dominion, and, and this ends up being a spot for them. So, you know, I think this is great for our university. It's obviously awesome for our program and our players. And, and uh, any time you get to play an extra game of football, uh, it's it's tremendous. I mean, I, I know that you know, you're going to look back, and when they're my age, I always tell these guys, when you're my age, you would uh, you would do anything for one more game. And uh, so to be, you know, you can't take it for granted. You got to go out there and and uh, you know prepare the right way and play the right the game the right way, and, and it'll reward you.
1: Monday, December eighteenth, down in Charlotte, a two thirty kickoff as Old Dominion takes on Western Kentucky in the famous Toastery Bowl. Coach, bring us back a victory. Good luck, and uh, thanks so much for giving us some time.
2: Absolutely, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.
1: All right, uh, that was Coach Ricky Ronnie from earlier today. He did not drop a Go Monarchs or whatever, so um, that was a little disappointing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Yeah, I think they got a shot. Obviously, uh, line is their favorite, two and a half. Total's 55 and a half. They should have a good crowd, and you just heard he's going to write notes for you if you need to get out of work. I think he was joking, but maybe if you actually said something, it would show him that people were listening to the interview. Uh, So good luck to Old Dominion. We'll certainly do stuff with JMU. We had Jalen Lane on yesterday from Virginia Tech. You can find that on our website, ESPNRichmond.com and we will certainly work on getting Jamie Chadwell or someone from Liberty. All right, a lot to get into with regards to what happened this week uh, with the NCAA. Charlie Baker's uh, announcement. uh, There's an antitrust lawsuit. uh, Some other lawsuits that were filed. The NCAA and people around the NCAA have been very busy. So whenever we have any sort of stuff that involves the law, we go to our law expert Alicia Jessup of uh, Ruling Sports. She will join us next 1061 ESPN Welcome back 1061 ESPN Matt Joseph's here. A lot going on involving the NCAA both on and off the field and uh, certainly whenever anything involving the law comes about we bring on our expert Uh, She's the founder of Ruling Sports has a tremendous podcast that we'll get her to tell you about. Uh, You can check her out on Twitter at Ruling Sports. Alicia Jessup. Alicia how's it going?
3: I'm great. How are you?
1: Doing well. Uh, We got a lot of different things to go over. I want to go over one thing first before we get to the Charlie Baker stuff. It looks like the lawsuit was dropped by the Brander Group against EA Sports, so it looks like we're going to get our college football 2024 game from EA. Is that correct?
3: Well, maybe, because we still have to broker the deals with the college athletes to appear in it, and so Charlie Baker... In his announcement earlier this week that he sent via a letter allowing colleges to enter into NIL deals with their respective athletes could foreseeably pave the way for that. So video game fans, you might have something to look forward to.
1: So yeah, I think it was Monday when the story came out from Charlie Baker and there were a lot of words and there was a lot of things and everybody kept saying this is huge for the NCAA. So kind of break it down for us. What did Charlie Baker come out with as part of this announcement on Monday?
3: Right, and there were a lot of words for a Monday. It came out before I had my coffee, so I had to pause and then read it. So on the one hand, it's a watershed moment because, as I just referenced, one thing that's included in this pretty extensive letter is a note from Charlie that NCAA athletics departments can now enter into NIL deals with their respective college athletes. To me, this is the biggest point of the entire letter, because what that foreseeably does is not only open the door to, like we just mentioned, the reemergence of NCAA video games, but it could also lead to a situation where a very generous athletics director or an athletics director who wants greater competitive ability says, you know what? I'm going to cut my college athletes into the revenue sharing with my broadcast partner. You have a conference like the Big Ten that recently negotiated a multi-billion dollar TV deal. And so with this rule change, or you know, the, the rule still needs to be changed, but assuming what Charlie said is going to happen, um, with this, you hypothetically could have Big Ten members, for instance, say, unlike other conferences, we're going to share broadcast revenue with our college athletes under this new opportunity, allowing us to share NIL. But the other thing that I think got a lot of traction in the press, but I don't think people should get too excited about, is there was this note that there is going to be a creation of a new Division I subdivision where if you want to be a member of this subdivision, you have to commit to awarding $30,000 per year to be held in a trust for at least 50% of the college athletes and in compliance with Title IX. The reason why I'm less excited about this is there's a lot that needs to be done logistically for that to happen. So, for instance, what's the new subdivision? Who's going to lead the subdivision? Who's going to opt into it? Who's going to go through the cumbersome process of amending the NCAA bylaws or creating a new set of bylaws? So I think that one's further down. So I think the story to watch is what AD becomes the first to broker an NIL deal with their respective college athletes.
1: Yeah, I think that, that part you mentioned about the subdivisions, I think that caused people to run wild because we already kind of see a difference as it is. There's the Power Five and then there's the Group of Five. And the Power Five has all the NIL money and they have all the uh, the resources and everything. And then there's the Group of Five that there's some teams that have the resources, but they're never going to be able to keep up. And so when we see a subdivision, we're like, oh boy, is this going to further separate all the schools?
3: <laughs> right, right. And I I think there's a lot of questions that remain where... Me, if you want to be skeptical here, to your point earlier, it's a really long letter. But like, what does it really say? Like, what, what actually is changing as a result of this letter? And the NIL things—the big story here—that is a massive change, and it could have been precipitated by the video game. But I, I'm partially Matt, wondering if Charlie Baker realizes how big of a change that is because. You've had, at least in the media, athletics directors and some coaches chopping at the bit, saying, we want to share broadcast revenue with college athletes. So hypothetically, under what Charlie issued this week, you could have a situation where an athletics department starts cutting million-dollar deals with athletes pulling funds from their broadcasting agreement.
1: Uh, how many schools, if we did do this subdivision thing, how many schools do you think could afford that trust fund requirement in order to do it, do you think?
3: Yeah, that, that that's hard to pull from my head. The, the reason why it's hard is twofold. Um, one, at least publicly, we don't have really solid financial data from athletics departments. So Title IX requires athletics departments to submit a report annually to the Department of Education. And so through that data, we get a glimpse under the hood of what's going on financially with these departments. But the problem is, is Title IX and the Department of Education don't require a standardized reporting mechanism. So unlike, say, um, American Express or Visa or Disney reporting to their shareholders and through that reporting, they have to follow generally accepted accounting principles, there's not a similar accounting standard put on athletics departments. So you, I, I've been covering this space for over a decade and I've noticed a trend where about five years ago, schools who were submitting these reports and the reports were showing positive net incomes in the tens of millions of dollars, they suddenly are submitting these reports and it's showing that they're not earning any positive net income, i.e. they're breaking even or in some instances they are incurring a loss. So it's hard for me justifiably to say, oh yes, Matt, it's 10 schools. I think you can assume though that the Schools that are members of the Power Five Conference, and I guess at this point it's the Power Four since, uh, rest in peace, Pac-12, that are parties to these nine- or ten-figure broadcast agreements, you'd be within well reason to assume that they can put thirty grand away for half of their college athletes.
1: So what's the timeline, you think? Obviously with the first part, the NIL part of this Charlie Baker announcement, what's the next step and how far before or how long before we actually think this might actually be instituted?
3: Well, that that's going to be fun because if I am a rebel coach, if I'm someone like um, you know Al Davis and Jerry Jones in the NFL back in the '90s, and I want to gain a competitive advantage, I'm reading this letter from Charlie Baker, and I'm saying, okay, my leader just told me I can hit the running line and go, and I also know that the NCAA's party to. A lot of antitrust lawsuits there were two more filed today in fact against the Association and so I'm rolling the dice and I'm trying my luck so I, I think you're going to see some bullish coaches and some bullish athletics directors we're recruiting season right now you know Deion Sanders just got a five-star recruit for Colorado today if I'm someone like Deion Sanders or Rick George who's the AD at Colorado I'm saying let's go. Like let's make the announcement today that we are going to cut college athletes into NIL deals at Colorado. And here's one that we have secured. So I think you'll come, frankly, Matt, before the conclusion of this calendar year. You're going to see a bullish leader take advantage of this opportunity.
1: By the way, what, I know you mentioned the Pac-12. What have you made of the lawsuits there? That the two teams that are <laughs> remaining are, are, are seemingly doing well in the in the courts right now. It feels like
3: they they, they should right because they those. They, they kind of got a bum deal, and it's it's really unfortunate because there's great people at both of those institutions. Um, I think thus far the courts have probably made the right decisions there.
1: Uh, talking with Alicia Jessup, and, and certainly check out her podcast, Ruling Sports, the podcast uh, at Ruling Sports on Twitter. You mentioned the Kessler uh, lawsuit that has been done. Uh, kind of catch people up and explain what's what's involved with this lawsuit.
3: Sure. So today is the first night of Hanukkah. You know, we're inching close to Christmas. If there's someone who's not on the holiday card list of the NCAA is Jeffrey Kessler, because at every turn, Jeffrey Kessler is there to file another lawsuit against the association. So some people might have thought that when Charlie Baker made the announcement he did earlier this week, that it was going to calm the lawyers and it was going to quell the litigation. So let me back up one step. There is a massive piece of litigation working its way through the court system. It's set for trial in January, 2025. It is the House versus NCAA case. This case was filed by a number of then current college athletes. Some are still playing, one of which is Sedona Prince, um, who also is a party to this lawsuit filed today. These people in the House case, they said that they didn't get to take advantage of NIL. So the NCAA was in violation by not allowing NIL and thus they should be back paid for the lost income that they could have been awarded had they been able to secure NIL. And not only that, but they also want access to the TV revenue. So there's some projections that if the NCAA loses the house case, they are facing a $4.2 billion damages amount that would rock college sports. So some people thought that Charlie Baker's announcement on Monday was an attempt to kind of like quell or quash the impact of that lawsuit and also to maybe extend an olive branch to federal um, legislators from whom he and the association are seeking federal antitrust exemption. So then fast forward, you know, not even three days later, and you have litigator Jeff Kessler filing today's suit in the Northern District of California, where this all goes down, there's three named plaintiffs. Again, Sedona Prince is one of them, a Duke football player, and then a soccer player from Stanford University. And this case takes it one step further, where now what they're saying is not allowing pay for play, so not just NIL, but not allowing pay for play violates federal antitrust law. So if this lawsuit goes the distance, if the plaintiffs are successful, What you're going to end up with is essentially a professional model of college sports where colleges have to pay their college athletes a salary or some sort of income to compete in college athletics.
1: Uh, Let's wrap up here. Do you laugh when you see, obviously the last couple of weeks, we've seen James Madison said they were going to sue the NCAA at one point to try and get JMU into a bowl game. And of course, the the people down in Florida want to sue to get Florida State into the playoff. Do, would any of these things ever win, like, or would this just be an annoyance and, and a lot of money that the taxpayers are paying?
3: You know, it, it depends the judge you get in front of, frankly. So I, I think the point here, though, is one thing that's harming the NCAA is arbitrariness. With the James Madison instance, um, now the college football playoff is separate from the NCAA, but... You, you have an undefeated team, so what is the metric by which we're determining who goes in and who is sitting out of the, the, the playoffs? So I, I think maybe there are some teeth to both of those claims, but it also just shows you the unique demand that college sports has and the vastness of its marketplace that people are willing to fund these lawsuits.
1: Uh, before we let you go, Alicia, tell everybody about your podcast, because the guests that you have on there are absolutely tremendous.
3: Oh, thank you so much. So we are a weekly podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. And what we're trying to do is give people stories um, about beyond the game. So we've had Layla Ali talking about how her father, Muhammad Ali, didn't want her to box and how she said no to the greatest of all time and pursued her dream. Most recently, we've had a co-owner of the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Devils talk about how he took $2,000 from his bar mitzvah and turned it into a pathway to becoming a billionaire. So what we're trying to do is encourage people to live their lives the best that they can and giving them the tools to help them do that.
1: And you can download the podcast in normal places, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff?
3: Yep, and it's called Ruling Sports and it's free.
1: Excellent. Alicia, thank you so much for giving us some time, and we will catch up again with you soon when we need you to interpret what's going on. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. Alright, uh, that is Alicia Jessup of uh, Ruling Sports. And as you heard, uh, Ruling Sports is the podcast name as well. And uh, yes, she her last guest was David Adelman, um, who, uh, as she just mentioned, an uh, entrepreneur and uh, part owner of the uh, of the Sixers and the Devils. So, she has tremendous guests. Uh, so, you can download that on Spotify and Apple, all that good stuff. So, a lot of stuff going on. I, I Look, I tried to interpret it on Monday. I couldn't do a good, a good job. She did a tremendous job of Interpreting everything, um, but once again, it seems like the the large scale is we're trying to separate as uh, uh, you know an NCAA from even more from the haves and the have-nots, and that's that's not good. That that, that doesn't thrill me. Uh, let's take a timeout. We'll do one final segment. Uh, you're listening to one oh six one ESPN. <laughs>
0: Let's get social. Follow us on X and Instagram at ESPN Richmond. And find us on Facebook by searching ESPN Richmond. Don't miss a thing. From your home for sports in Richmond, One zero six one ESPN.
1: That Sunday, the lowest total was 28 in the Colts-Patriots game where the temperature was in the low 20s with 23-mile-per-hour winds. And actually, that game went over. The Patriots won that game 38-0. The reason why the total's that low is because it's Mitch Trubisky and... Bailey Zappi. You know I love Bailey Zappi from his Western Kentucky days. Um, But these are two bad teams. I highly recommend that you don't watch the game tonight. But some of us just watch this sort of thing because that's what we do. I'll say this. Tonight is uh, the semifinals the in-season tournament. The people who watch this sort of stuff have said this is tremendous. The one thing to watch tonight, apparently on the uh, TNT broadcast, or at least the TNT pregame, Stephen A. is going to be on with the NBA on TNT, folks. So that's going to be tremendous. I love all those guys. Shaq, Kenny, Charles, uh, Ernie. Good luck to Ernie trying to take care of all that with Stephen A. now. Uh, so that's going on tonight. It's a very light night in college basketball. There's only five games to bet on. The highlight is Iowa, Iowa State. That's the only one. It's at 730. Um, and then everything else is kind of terrible. So maybe this is one of those nights you go decorate the house for the upcoming holiday and put on like Christmas vacation. I did my top five Christmas movies. I may have to unveil that tomorrow um, or maybe on Monday when I'm out uh, at with Bob at the Henrico Sports and Events Center.